Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with me, Bhavani Vadi and James Hansen, who you'll be hearing more from in the coming weeks as one of our new presenters. In this episode, hear from The Times reporter who's been inside Hamas's underground network of tunnels in Gaza. He'll tell us what he's seen. three days, we've been trying to get hold of the Times' correspondent, Anshul Pfeffer, who's on the ground in Gaza, embedded with the Israeli Defence Force as they search for the tunnels known as the Gaza Metro. As you can imagine, communicating with him has been extremely difficult. And in the meantime, Anshul's funneled another must-read dispatch, this time from Khan Yunis, a Hamas stronghold. The IDF has shown him some of the tunnels used by Hamas and where many of the hostages captured on October the 7th are believed to have been kept. Ashley told Times Radio what he saw. We've been hearing about this for years, but when you actually see this subterranean city under a city, it's, mm. uh, it's, very, it's very striking. It simply goes on and on and you try to imagine people living and taking shelter and hostages being brought down into this very narrow parts you have to walk in a crouch and it just goes on for hundreds of meters under the city going down about 30 meters and right now the the tunnel which has now been taken over by the israeli army is has been cleaned of whatever was in it because they were looking for forensic evidence they say they found uh blood stains which they they have connected to various hostages and then you suddenly see a a toilet cubicle or some other little room at the side and you and you understand that this is how people were underneath the city and underneath now a war zone in terms of the bigger picture the u.s secretary of state anthony blinken visited Israel again this week to press the authorities to allow more food, water, fuel and medicine into Gaza. But it seems like there are mixed messages coming from the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Well, his messages are all over the place. I mean, now his biggest worry 
is the hearing today at the International Court in, in The Hague, where South Africa and a number of other countries are accusing Israel of carrying out the genocide. So now his message is mainly in English, and it's aimed at an international audience saying that Israel's not carrying out a genocide. Israel is only targeting Hamas. Israel's not trying to forcibly deplace the Palestinians. Meanwhile, to the, to the Israelis, his, his message has been, you know, we will continue fighting, and this is a terrible enemy, and we will fight them till the end. And then there's the more discreet messages to the Americans where he's talking about how Israel is going to sort of transition to a different stage of the war and start working on some kind of day after strategy. But Netanyahu's messages are really the, of a man who fears, I, th I think with good reason, that his political career, his very long political career, is almost over because he's he's plummeted in the polls. It, it's a very weird situation where and there is still amongst Israelis a very high level of support for the war we're seeing in all the surveys, mm. and at the same time a very low level for the leader who is supposed to be leading the country in the war. You can read Anshul's latest dispatch from Khan Yunis with a Times digital subscription. It's well worth it for his insights. It's been another busy 24 hours in US politics. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie dropped out of the race to be the Republican presidential nominee, but not before being embarrassingly caught on tape rubbishing the chances of Nikki Haley, a candidate many expect him to endorse. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV, spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Meanwhile, the front-runner, Donald Trump, says he knows who his running mate will be if he wins the nomination. The former president didn't give us a name, but who are the likely contenders? Well, Alistair Dorber is the Washington correspondent for The Times, and here's his take on the runners and riders. The favourite at this point is Kirsty Noem. She's the governor of South Dakota. He suggested that he would quite like to pick a, a woman as his running mate. Of course, the running mate on the Democrat side is Kamala Harris, so that would balance that equation. But there's also Marjorie Taylor Greene, the congresswoman, the quite right-wing congresswoman from uh, Georgia, who's a Trump fan. She's in the frame. Nikki Haley has been accused of not attacking Donald Trump during the Republican nomination campaign because her opponents say that that's what she's really angling for, uh, the VP slot. Don't rule out Ron DeSantis as a possible candidate, and Vivek uh, Ramaswamy as well, another candidate, uh, has also been mentioned as a possible. But one thing that can't be ruled out with Trump is his own family. I mean, Don Jr., his son, has been in here in Iowa over the last few days on the campaign trail, you know, and it really wouldn't be a, a huge surprise if Donald Trump shot everyone and tried to keep power as close as he possibly could to himself. I mean, don't forget that whoever does become Trump's running mate and should they, they win the election in November, become the vice president. Donald Trump's only got four years to serve, which could put whoever is his vice president really well and truly in the box seat to be the next Republican presidential nominee in uh, for the 2028 election. For more analysis on Monday's all-important Iowa caucus, read our US editor David Charter's latest piece from Des Moines. Now, the US election is just one of many in 2024, and one of the most consequential is happening in Taiwan 
on Saturday. Joining us now is Richard Lloyd Parry, who's Asia editor for The Times. Richard, why does this election matter so much? Well, what's at stake is the leadership of Taiwan, and that matters because Taiwan is such a tense place in the world at the moment. It's one of the biggest global flashpoints of the age, really. It's a self-ruling democratic island, which since 1949 has run its own affairs, but it's claimed by mainland China as part of its territory. And the current Chinese president, Xi Jinping, insists that it must be reunified and reserves the right to do that by force, if necessary. In other words, potentially through a Chinese invasion. Now, were that to occur, it would cause immense instability. It would almost certainly cause a regional war, which potentially could become a global war. So the person who who leads this island through these very choppy, difficult waters is, of course, very important. Richard, you are in the Taiwanese capital of Taipei. What is the atmosphere like? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, there's, you know, as we've been saying, Taiwan is a, a, a tense flashpoint. But people here are not tense in in obvious ways. I went to an election rally the other day, and it was very um, spirited and lively and noisy, and people were were enjoying themselves. So, you know, life goes on here as normal. There's not a a sense of doom or isn't a grim atmosphere by by any means. But there are, you know, things happening. So I was coming into land in Taipei on, on Tuesday evening, and I switched on my phone on, on the plane as it was coming in and received, like everyone in Taiwan, with a mobile phone, I received this, this warning saying in English that a missile, a Chinese missile, was was flying overhead. Now, it turned out that, that was a mistake for which the Taiwanese Defence Ministry has apologised. It wasn't a missile, it was a satellite, a Chinese satellite that was being launched. But this is the reality at the moment. You know, missiles in the past have been fired. There's a lot of Chinese military hardware, planes and ships operating in the strait with Taiwan. And and this is the reality that Taiwanese are living with and the atmosphere in which they'll be voting on Saturday. So we're barely into January and the first massive global political event of the year is happening in just a few days. Now, if you're visiting France for the Paris Olympics this summer, let's hope this American TikToker isn't your tour guide. I'm just filming this video here in uh, Lyon, France. It's my first time visiting. To be honest, the experience is very isolating. Don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful city. People here, they seem very indifferent. I almost feel stupid for coming here, spending money. I even bought a French hat. This is Angela from San Francisco, whose video about her recent trip to Lyon, (laughs) France's second city, has been viewed more than six million times. Yes, wearing a stereotypically French beret, a teary Angela talked about the cold welcome she'd received on her first visit to the country. Among her complaints is that McDonald's was closed and that the locals made her feel bad for not knowing the language. The videos prompted a big response, especially among the French, who are less than sympathetic, as you might imagine, with one posting, the first rule for tourists, don't wear a beret. Poor Angela. Emily in Paris, she is not. No, no, she certainly isn't. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.